Blessed are those who are wealthy, for they shall live comfortably. Blessed are those who are attractive, for they will get more opportunities and likes. Blessed are the famous, for everyone will know and love them. Blessed are the powerful, for they will rule over the lowly. Blessed are the good at persuasion, for they will manipulate their way to the top. And blessed are those who hoard, for they will have all the toys. I realize that's not Bible passage right there. But I, I feel like if we just took a, just even a surface sort of critique at our current Western culture, that might be how we would describe our Western culture. And I love the freedoms. I love the fact that I was, was born in a free country, democracy, all of that. I, I think capitalism is a good thing. But sometimes we push these things so far that this might be more in line with the values and beliefs of the people around us, sometimes even in our own hearts. But the thing is, I, mean, I like the idea of blessing. I like blessed. I would prefer blessed over hurting and broken. I would prefer blessed over never having enough to eat or shelter, all of those things. I, I, I would choose that. Blessed is not a bad thing. We want all the joyous stuff. We want the good stuff. We would like everything to be all good, all the time. That's how we would like it, just that that's not always what happens. And we want that best life ever, but I just wonder sometimes, how do we define blessed? How would you define blessed? If we were having a one-on-one -on -one coffee conversation, you'd say, Ben, this is what I think is, is blessed. We all might have little, little differences in our definition, but how do you define blessed? Is it a, a net worth issue? Is it a fit and trim issue? An image issue? Is it about influence? That seems to be the new thing that a lot of the younger generations are having to struggle with, is influence and likes. And What is it for you? What is blessed to you? Because I look around, and I, I feel like we're seeing a lot more hashtag stressed than hashtag blessed. You with me? Anybody agree with that? You look around like we're on, we're on a different planet sometimes with what we think is need and want, what's truly blessed. Because if anybody's hurting or whatever, we often think, well, they're not blessed. But if somebody has lots of wealth, we think they're blessed. I think sometimes that's the absolute opposite of what's really going on. But our, our culture, I think, has maybe changed some of our definitions a little bit. Have you ever met someone who has had tremendous struggles in their life? Maybe, maybe addictions, disease, uh, something wrong when, when they were a child or something. Have you ever met anybody like that? And yet, you would say they were blessed. And they would say they were blessed even with that tremendous difficulty in their life. See, we've, we may need a, a reorientation today about what we think of as blessed. I'm Pastor Ben. I'm glad you're here with us today. Uh, if this is your first Sunday, welcome, welcome. We gather like this on Sundays, like Christ followers all over the globe, and even Christ followers in this town. We're lifting up the name of Jesus because it was on the first day of the week that that tomb was empty, 
And so it changed human history forever, and many of our hearts in this room were radically changed by that amazing miracle. And so we gather like this to lift up the name of Jesus. And as we often do, and there's science behind this, I'm going to do a count of three, and we're going to take a deep breath, hold it for a few seconds, and let it out. You ready for this? One, two, three, deep breath. Let it out. Today we're going to be talking about what it means to be blessed and how Jesus will sort of redefine for us with shocking statements what his kingdom is all about. And it's an upside down, unexpected kingdom. So let's lean in and really learn about what's blessed today. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you. We recognize that you're in charge and we're not. And that's a good thing. Lord, we lean into your word. We ask your Holy Spirit would speak to all of our hearts about what it really means to be to be blessed. Father, help us to, to lean into your word and, and to, to be radically re-altered if we need to this morning, that we would go out in our world after this meeting uh, and, and, and bring your light and love to our community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, hashtag blessed. Now last weekend, if you're here with us, great. If not, you can catch up on all the channels. But uh, last week we talked about the, the start of Jesus' ministry, and he called some fishermen right away. We have uh, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, who three of them, at least, would become his inner circle. And he tells them that you're going to be no longer fishing for little, you know, fin uh, creatures. You're going to be fishing for men. And we talked a little bit about fishing, right? The fishing back then was not like it is now. And they were throwing weighted nets into sometimes shallow water. And if you've ever been fishing, you know, that's not the best place. They like to hide and things like that. And, and so they, they were used to... Hard work, little results sometimes, and an inconvenient schedule because many of the fishermen would fish at night. And this is even happens on the Oregon coast that you'll see the big commercial vessels go out at night because it's a little quieter and a little calmer. So they were used to inconvenient, hard work, and sometimes small results. And Jesus tells them, eye to eye, you will be fishers of men. They probably knew exactly what he meant. So he calls his first disciples, and right away, he's got a message for us. It sounds very similar to what his cousin John was saying. Repent, for the kingdom is near. That's what we call the gospel. That's the Greek term euangelion. He was giving the gospel, and the gospel meant a new king was on the scene, and a new kingdom was beginning. And the word repent means it's a, you've got to make a decision. This is an active thing. You, you want to repent, that means you've got to pick up, make a decision, and go a different direction. So right away, with fiery words, Jesus is saying, hey, repent, for the kingdom is near, the kingdom of heaven. And alongside that, Matthew gave us a little taste in Matthew chapter 4, 23, of what happens when God's kingdom is near. And we got to see from Matthew's own words that, that when God becomes king and starts to break into our world, you're seeing life-giving teaching, life-altering healing, salvation for the sick, hope for the marginalized and the outsiders. When God's kingdom comes near, everything is different. Now as we move into chapter 5, and this is a very famous message. You might know it as the Sermon on the Mount, and you've probably heard lots of sermons on this particular passage. And like always, I'm asking and, and begging you to try to listen with fresh ears, because I know as I've studied this passage again, it's so familiar to me, too. And some of these 
the teachings I've heard over the years aren't exactly in line with what the words mean. So we're going to look at this a little bit closer today. I want you to lean in, listen to God's word with, with maybe some fresh ears. And Jesus is coming, and he's claiming not to be uh, the next uh, great world leader. He's coming with a new kingdom, and it's a kingdom that's here and not yet. And he's asking people, hey, we're not going somewhere. I want you to follow me because the kingdom is near. It's here. It has arrived. Something here. And when God becomes king, people are rescued from brokenness and evil is dealt with. He's He's claiming to be the king. Now, he could have claimed to be the next great moral teacher, the next Confucius or Buddha or Oprah, whatever. He didn't claim to be any of that. He just is a great teacher, and he came to bring the announcement gospel that there's a new kingdom coming that isn't going to be like the kingdoms that humans are used to. It's not going to be a kingdom that's arriving with force and guns, and you're forced to be part of it. That's often how the Roman army brought in new territories. You were forced into the empire. Jesus doesn't do that. He invites people in, even the people that we don't think maybe deserve to be in. And he declares this new kingdom that's available. And he asks people to follow him. It's a bit presumptuous. I mean, if we had somebody in our day claim to be the new king of the universe and ask you to follow him, we think that might be a little weird and presumptuous. But that's what Jesus does right from the beginning. And he called his followers to a radical reorientation of values, priorities, and behaviors. A much better list of blessed than what I read a little earlier. So let's open the Word of God to Matthew chapter 5. And uh, I really encourage you to, if you have a Bible or a device, if you have a tablet, I encourage you to find Matthew chapter 5 and read that. It's just good to have your eyes on it, and we're going to read it here too. But try to hear this with new ears if you can. This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Starting with verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, the Greek there, taking a breath, opening his mouth, and teaching them. Even Jesus needed that little three-second reset. See, it's pretty good stuff. It's biblical. Okay. He taught them. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for, the, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its taste, how, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine 
before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. What a list. And did you catch that Jesus is on a mountain giving the teaching of the Lord? Can you think of another time in Scripture where a pretty important key figure was standing on a mountain getting the word of the Lord? Anybody? Remember those Ten Commandment thingies? Mount Sinai? So here, once again, Matthew is showing us very intentionally, this is the new and greater Moses. This is the one that even Moses himself said, from our people, one day God will raise up a prophet like me. And here he is, standing on a mountain, giving the the word of God, much like Moses. And he begins to teach. But he doesn't just teach sort of surfacey things. He's starting to get to the heart of all of us. The heart of situations when we don't feel so happy. Moments when we don't feel so blessed. I mean, at least half of that list, right, are not enviable things. These are not traits that we want. I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a person that's always in mourning. I don't want that. Or, or a person who's always sick. Or someone who's spiritually sick. I don't want to be someone who's meek. In other words, powerless. These are not things that we necessarily would consider blessed. But Jesus starts to get to the darker part of our character. In this, and as we move on through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, or the the message on the mountain, I like to call it, we're going to be in this for three more weeks because there's so much to unpack with what Jesus is saying. And this is the new kingdom paradigm. This is what it means when God's kingdom comes near. And so when you say yes to the Jesus kingdom, this this is your playbook what Jesus is going to lay out here. And some of it, honestly with you, some of this we're going to want to turn and run and close our ears because it's difficult. Jesus says, narrow is the way. And so if we want to follow the ways of Jesus, it's going to be a radical reorientation. This is going to be an upside down kingdom that he's asking us to be part of. After this Sermon on the Mount, we're going to see more and more healings. But before we get there, Jesus wants to make it clear this is what it means when the kingdom of heaven is near and when God starts to break through into our world. The Sermon on the Mount. We get to see what happens when Jesus becomes king. I like what the late preacher John Stott called this passage. He called it the Jesus Manifesto. Sort of the Jesus Manifesto. He's laying out, if you will, the the manifesto of this new kingdom that will be radically different than what us humans expect. Now, here's what's difficult about the word blessed. The word blessed is the Greek word makarios. We don't really have an English equivalent to that. Uh, So that may be new information to you. It's a a word that's a little bit difficult to bring over. Sometimes that happens in ancient languages. It's a word or a phrase or an idea that we don't necessarily have the same equivalent in the English language. But you could call it more like um, congratulations or hey, something great is for you or fortunate are you. Now, we get the term beatitudes, that's from the the Latin language. 
Uh, again, the Latin language didn't really have a good equivalent either. But if you think of it, change out the word blessed and you'd say, congratulations, you meek. Fortunate for you, those who are spiritually in poverty. It starts to have a little more different direction now when we see what the word actually means. And I think if you're like me, I'm even more puzzled now that I know what it actually means. Because those don't seem like things that I would prefer. We would prefer hashtag blessed. We don't prefer mourning, spiritual poverty, powerlessness. And yet, Jesus is teaching us about this upside-down kingdom. It's unexpected. I like what uh, Pastor John Mark Comer, he was the pastor of Bridge, Bridgetown Church, I think, in Portland for many years. And uh, he wrote a book uh, a while ago called, the, the uh, I want to say it's the, something about rest. I'm going to hash that. Send me a message later. I'll text you what it is. But I think it's The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, I think was his book. But I like what he says about these blessed statements. He wants us to understand, and this is true, this is not a list of virtues. Regardless of how you've heard teaching on this, this is not a list of virtues. This is not a be like this. Right? It's not a, hey, spiritual poverty, that's a great place to be. This is not a list of virtues. It's also not a handful of commands. Jesus is not saying, be weak, be meek, be mourning. He's not saying that. And he's not giving us a collection of timeless truths. This is not a collection of bumper sticker statements. I mean, think about it. You know this. Because it says, the meek shall inherit the earth. That's not often what we see. Seems to me like a lot of times the jerks with the guns inherit the earth. So you know what I mean? So this is not a, a list of commands. This is not a list of virtues. And it's not a list of timeless truths. What Jesus is trying to do is radically reorient ourselves to who is blessed. Who is in the kingdom. Because the people we think are blessed, the ones with wealth, and then the people we think are not blessed, the ones that maybe don't have that or are hurting or are in trouble, we automatically assume they must have done something wrong. We need a radical reorientation of what it means to be blessed. I mean, the kingdom, according to Jesus, is coming to unlikely people. Think about the people in the crowd. Some people may have gotten healed recently. You know, chapter 4 talks about that, and he's traveling around, starting to go viral. People are coming out to see him. People from all walks of life, maybe day laborers, people who are out of work, people who are religious. Remember, this is Gentile territory, so it could be Jew and Gentile together, which they never hang out together. You get these crowds there, and, and these are unlikely people. They don't have any spiritual pedigree. They didn't pay any admission to get in. They just existed. They were there, and they got to hear this teaching from Jesus. And this, Jesus says, is, is the people that the kingdom is coming we want to rush to exclude. We need to hear Jesus' words. The kingdom is coming for those who are feeling powerless, for those who are spiritually hurting. The kingdom is coming to those who are showing mercy. In our world, those aren't always the most enviable people. You contrast this with how we often think about blessings. and all. I mean, 
look, in our country, let's be specific, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's, that's kind of the manifesto that I kind of grew up knowing. Jesus' words are very different than that. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. But I think in our culture, maybe our world, and, and maybe it's Western culture where we've, we've been so wealthy, we've, been, we've had lots of freedoms and we've gotten a little comfortable, a little complacent, but the problem is we've redefined happiness as this pleasure treadmill that we're on and we can't get off. And we just keep running and running and running, even when it starts to hurt us. We keep on the pleasure treadmill. We have redefined happiness as that. The problem is it's so circumstantial. It's not sustainable. It's not even healthy to stay on the pleasure treadmill. Many of us have been chasing maybe the wrong things. It's all based on how we feel at the moment. I mean, I realize that there's some people in this room, maybe, that are those people that are, always seem happy. Do you have anybody in your life that seems like they're always happy? For some of us, they're like, it's so tedious. No. But there are people that just seem to generally be happy all the time, but that's not always everybody's story. But happiness is something that's it's difficult to, to maintain all the time, probably even for those happy people. I read some, some data recently that might shock you on this whole happy pleasure treadmill thing that we find ourselves in in our culture, is that happiness, they think now, is about 50% genetics. Don't look it up right now. You can find it. Look, it's neuroscience. It's brand new science, but it's like, for some of us, we're like, oh, man, <laughs> we never had a chance. <laughs> 50%. So the problem is that's not sustainable. That's not something that everybody gets equally. How we feel about our circumstances just changes all the time. I mean, we know this in relationships, you know, in, in marriages. It's not sustainable. We struggle to stay happy. Is there another way? Jesus wants to show us there is another way. Thanks be to God. There is another way, because for some of us, it's not always up and to the right all the time. It's not always, hashtag bless, it's all good. Some of us have real struggles, and we're going to go through bits of that in our lives. And so we need another way, and Jesus offers another way. The only way to make sense of these blessed statements is through the lens of the kingdom. See, the kingdom that we enter into when we say yes to Jesus, it's a kingdom of now and not yet. And so there's, there's always going to be this tension between these two worlds of the now and the not yet. So there are going to be moments where you're going to feel blessed. There's going to be other moments where you're going to be in mourning. There's going to be other moments where you feel spiritually dead. There's going to be other And Jesus would say, the kingdom is for you. The kingdom is for you. There is hope. Almost 10 times, Jesus promises blessings to very unlikely people. People that we may think don't deserve it. People with little chance of finding blessing. And the good news is Jesus is saying there's hope for the kingdom is here and it's for you. It's radical. I can imagine the crowds just feeling a sense of awe over that. Maybe people that have been excluded all their lives. Maybe people that they were born with a disability. They can never be not unclean. 
People that can't come near. People that have issues. And so when Jesus is saying the kingdom is for you, that's a, that's a radical statement. Where are you? Are you in that hashtag blessed category? Maybe for you, you are one of those happy people. And if that's true, you're in a place of blessing. That is great. Thank God for that. And then maybe, maybe Jesus would have you be a blessing to other people. I mean, that's kind of the promise that he gave to Abraham way back in the day. You're going to be a blessing to be a blessing. Bless the whole world. Bless every nation. So if you're in a, a state of blessing right now, you're, you are that hashtag blessed. That's great. Be a blessing to others. But maybe you're in that other category. Maybe you're in hashtag wrecked or stressed. And you need to hear that the kingdom is for you. It's good news. The kingdom is for you. For people that are broken and are hurting. Because we're going to go through those moments. The kingdom is for both on that, on that list. The wrecked and the blessed. The blessing of the kingdom is for us. So I don't know where you're at on that list. Someone once said that we're blessed not in spite of our pain, but in our pain. I mean, difficulty is not something that we desire. But if we're willing to trust God... The kingdom is for us, where you're at right now. All those folks that heard that day, I can just imagine the weight being lifted, that they were included. And, and you had people there that probably didn't have a lot of financial means. The early church really took hold amongst the, the poor and the marginalized and the people that were outsiders. It was only much later that like the Roman elite found Christ. A lot of it just grew on the people that were already excluded. And, and, and amongst the Jewish people, they were kind of a pushed down people. And so the kingdom is advancing in those places. So people that didn't have means were part of the kingdom as well. So whether you have means, that's wonderful, be a blessing to others. If you're in a place of wreck and hurting and mourning and, and powerless, the kingdom is for you too. There's hope in both of those situations. Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote this in Philippians chapter 4, one of my favorite passages of the Bible. It has my life verse in it. In case you want to know, it's Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a good one. I don't know what your life verse is, but it's good to have one. But listen to this passage. Philippians 4, starting with verse 11. Now, now that I'm speaking, not that I'm speaking of being in need, Paul says, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how, how to be brought low and I know how to, to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And here it comes. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength whether in plenty or in need. He's learned the secret to be content. So no matter where God is speaking to you right now, on that list, that blessed list, the kingdom is for you. And the kingdom is coming on unlikely people. And, and Jesus finished those blessed statements by saying, you're, you're the salt and the light of the world. You're bringing, you're bringing hope. You're bringing, you're bringing flavor to the planet. 
You're bringing preservation to the planet, and you're bringing light in dark places. And he, and he says in there, when we're living these kingdom values out, and he'll continue as we get through this message, but he'll continue to say, when we live out these kingdom values, people will see your good works, and what does he say? Will glorify your Father in heaven. This upside-down kingdom. When we're living the ways that Jesus is going to lay out, not only today, but the rest of the several weeks, he is giving us the new kingdom way to be human. As N.T. Wright says, this is the new way to be human. The kingdom manifesto. So I want, I want to share this with you. This is a, a poem that no matter where you're at, where you're feeling wrecked or blessed today, the kingdom is yours. Listen to this. In the present, there's blessing. In the future, there is hope. And one day, all the sad things will become untrue. I didn't come up with that. Someone much smarter than me came up with that. But isn't that that helpful? Say that with me, maybe? In the present, there's blessing. In the future, there's hope. And one day, all the sad things will become untrue. There's days I need that. How about you? Just imagine us as a church family being willing to do the upside-down ways of Jesus. I think when we do that, it's going to bring light and salt and beauty. When people see those upside-down ways, they will glorify the Father in heaven. And his kingdom will advance. And I really want his kingdom to advance in our lifetime. I would like to see that happen. I'd like to see more people say, I want all of that. I want all that the kingdom offers. I want all that Jesus offers. If you've never said yes to Jesus, please do that today. Be part of that kingdom of the now and not yet. Imagine our church family, whether we're in need or we have plenty, that we would live out the kingdom ways and we would see that we are blessed with the kingdom, both now and not yet. That people would see that and want to glorify God. Let's say that poem one more time. Then I want to pray us out. In the present, there's blessing. In the future, there's hope. And in in one day, all the sad things will become untrue. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love, faithfulness, your mercies that are new every morning. We're thankful for your kingdom. Father, this is your kingdom, not ours. We're thankful that you're in charge and we're not. You've called us. to to, to reorient what it means in our minds and hearts to be blessed. Father, help us to be radically challenged to live out these kingdom ways in our world. Father, to choose to be merciful, to choose to be kind, to choose to, to put someone else's needs above our own. Father, help us to put these kingdom ways into action so that the community around us We'll see these good works, these kingdom works, and glorify you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.